Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com, brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm Matthew Rota, your host, and joining us today is Dustin Coleman. How are you doing today, Dustin? I'm doing great, Matt. How are you? I'm good. So I'm excited to talk with you today and for you to share your story. You have a unique story as it comes to being an owner in the swine industry, and it's a very inspiring one, and I'd love for you to break that down. But before we get started, I'd love for you to answer a few questions that we ask people, hitting you right off the bat with them. Who's your D1 college that you root for? Uh, Mizzou. Mizzou. What is your favorite or least favorite actor or actress? Oh, man. I would say my favorite actor is maybe Will Smith. I don't know. I don't watch a whole lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> what is your bucket list place to travel? Um, I'd like to go to Jamaica. Jamaica. Why Jamaica? Uh, I don't know. We've been out of the country before. That's just one place we've never been so far. So That sounds like a fun one. Yeah, and all you can't beat the all-inclusive stuff either. That's pretty fun. What's your favorite cut of pork? Uh, I would say the pork steak. What's your go-to beer? Um, used to be Bush Light. I've uh, turned Coors Light recently. Oh, really? You went core. You went the Coors route. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. And then if you. Oh, if you had one word of wisdom for people based on what you've learned along the way, what would it be? Um, just always believe in yourself and just never give up on your dreams. Awesome. Well, with that being said, I'd love to dive into your story. And I'd like to start right at the beginning. Uh, where, where'd you grow up and how did you get into the pig industry? Yeah, so I grew up uh, in Bowling Green, Missouri. So we're just a small rural area. Um been here since birth uh grew up playing sports never lived on a farm never worked on a farm um actually had friends that had farms and i thought it was cool to spend the night at their houses to go feed with them we thought it was fun living in town uh and then i realized later that maybe my friends were using me to get their chores done for them because they hated it because they had to do it every day but um yeah anyway just grew up small town my I grew, I was raised by my grandparents, my grandpa and my grandma owned a greenhouse and my grandpa also worked on tractors. So he was like my idol. I thought I was going to be a mechanic my entire life. Uh, unfortunately when I was 11, he passed away with cancer. So, um, you know, I didn't, didn't quite learn everything I wanted to learn. So, um, of course every kid thinks they're going to be a professional athlete. Um, so I, I loved basketball. Um, Got a scholarship, actually, to play at Central Methodist University. 
decided college really wasn't for me and realized how much work it really does take to, to be a student athlete. Uh, it's, it's like a full-time job, uh, plus another full-time job. You know, what was playing. that like? What was that like, that process and what you learned about what it takes to be a student athlete? So it's just, it was, it was a lot of, um, you had to always make sure your schedule was free. There was a lot of times you would have weight training that would come up, um, out of the blue or practice would come up or a meeting, you know, within an hour, you'd get an email and you would have to, you would have to find the classroom you were supposed to be in for your meeting, or you'd have to get to the gym for an open gym or, or just anything like that, that, uh, you would need to do to spend time to uh, kind of learn about your teammates. So they owned you at that point, basically, is yeah, what it's pretty, like. Pretty much. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And so what uh, what did you do when you decided that you weren't going to go to school anymore? Or that wasn't the right path. What? Where were you at in that moment? What were you thinking? So um, I came home. I came back home. And honestly, I was kind of a bum for about six or eight months. You know, I kind of lived with my grandma and kind of lived off of her, I guess. I didn't really work much. I, I did some odd and then jobs, you know, for a little bit of cash for going out money and gas, but you know, I didn't really have a steady job. And of course, um, that was in 2008. So the job market wasn't great anyways. Um, so, so 18 or 19 at this time. Yeah, I was 18. Okay. So, uh, or 19, I just turned 19, I guess. So, um, I decided I wanted to be a welder. So I went to, okay. Uh, local Votech school um, for a year, got uh, some welding certifications, and then I went to Nevada, Missouri to Missouri Welding Institute and took a four-month course and become certified in four different types of welding. Um, and basically, right out of there, I had a job. So I was happy. Um, I thought I was going to go work on the pipeline or something like that, but I ended up working uh, uh, more like a factory job, but it was, you know, it was what I wanted to do. I was happy with it. So that was a lot of fun. But those pipelines are impressive. So we had one go through near our property and like when they're setting it up, I mean, it's this big trench, right? They're running this line and you're like, holy cow. And then when they cover that thing up and put everything back, you'd never know it was there. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, it's I thought I'd do that, but it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> yep. So, um, I was working night shift and, um, kind of at this point I had, uh, I had met a woman. So who's actually, she's my wife now, but, um, I met her one night. And so the night shift stuff for me, I was like, ah, I don't really want to work at night anymore. I want to spend time, more time. <laughs> with um, so I ended up working for an asphalt company and I was still doing some welding, um, but I was doing more, I was learning some things, how to run a loader and a skid steer and, um, how the asphalt, uh, you know, greasing bearings, cleaning screens, just anything that the plant needed. So, uh, I had a day job finally doing that and, uh, I was working four ten, So that was pretty cool. I enjoyed having three day weekends, are but are you was, about 22 now or how old were you? Yeah, I was, I was 21, right about okay. 20. Yeah. So, um, that job was nice. I really liked it, but with any construction, you know, there comes layoffs. So it was about Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, I would have been 22 at this point. And 
Um, it was Thanksgiving and they said, Hey, you know, we're going to have this Thanksgiving party and then you're going to be laid off. So that was kind of, that's weird. A punch in the gut. And, uh, so at the time, you know, we were expecting a little girl and we had already have, oh. um, my wife had already had a son from previous marriage and, uh, um, but we were expecting a girl. So I was like, yeah, I can't really be laid off. Like I have to support this family. So I had a friend that actually worked, uh, in the hog industry. He worked for, uh, David and Jim Fisher. And, um, he said, Hey, let me give them a call and I'll see if you can come to work with me one day. And I said, okay. And, and he said, well, you know, we're looking for some help. Well, the good thing is I actually graduated with David's daughter and they, on she was i think she was on the pom-pom squad so like they were at all the sporting events so they had knew me and watched me play basketball and and um and stuff like that so and you uh, had to have been pretty good if you almost went to play in college yeah yeah i was okay i guess <laughs> but uh, so i went to work uh they said yeah just come out and work so i worked for about three months and then i got called back from my asphalt job and I actually had enjoyed myself so much in the barn. I took a significant pay cut and I was like, no, nah, you know what? I'm going to stay here with the hogs. And my wife was really upset. She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, how can you give up that kind of money to go work with these hogs? You know? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just happier. So, and you know, we talked and she's like, well, that is what matters. You know, as long as you're happy. Um, so I guess I kind of did like some, just kind of helped everywhere. You know, I processed pigs. I would help move sows around. I would help help out in Pharaoh when needed, but I didn't really have a set set role. Um, so eventually I kind of like climbed the ranks there at, uh, at Fishers. And uh, so eventually- before you, before you get there, back up a second. Sure. What was it about working with pigs that had you, kind of fall in love with the industry or, and, or that role where you're like, Oh, I really like this. So I think it was just never doing anything like that. Um, cause when I had first started, I didn't know the difference between a guilt and a sow. Like I had no clue what a guilt was. Um, so I think it was just learning that stuff. And then just knowing that something that you did every day was helping someone survive, you know, you're putting food on people's table day in and day out. And it, it makes you kind of respect like the work that people do, you know, whenever you sit down to eat a meal, like there was hard work put into that. And a lot of people uh, don't realize, you know, what goes on behind the scenes so that they can live and survive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so wasn't when you started to get a role before you said you started climbing the ranks and yeah, do you talk through what were the first roles that you assumed and what do you think it was that allowed you to climb the ranks? What did you, what do you feel like you did better than anybody else? Um, I would just say like punctuality and work ethic. Like I was always raised to always be on time, meaning be there 15 to 20 minutes early and always work your hardest. Um, if you're not working, you know, as hard as you can, then there's no reason for you to be there. So I think, um, you know, David and Jim saw that in me that like my heart was in it. And, you know, I see sometimes that people go to work for a paycheck, but they could see that I was there because I cared about what was going on. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just very quick to learn, very quick to learn, eager to learn and willing to do, you know, any job that was put in front of me. Gotcha. 
So, all right. So back to where you were saying you were climbing the ranks. Yeah. So, so I went from, I guess just, uh, I don't know what you really want to call it, like a farm hand, I guess, to like, I, I got a spot on the Pharaoh team. So that was kind of new. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. You know, I've never checked sows. I've never done anything like that. So, <laughs> so I did that for, Oh, I don't know. I'd say three or four years. And, uh, I was on the farrowing and then some things just, you know, I've always been the type of person, like I always want to grow everywhere I go. You know, I, I don't want to be stuck. I want to grow as, as much as I can. So I was wanting to learn more about the farm. So, um, eventually we had some leads on the gestation side, uh, that were no longer with us, um, just for various reasons. So, you know, I'd gone to them and said, Hey, you know, I'd like the opportunity to try that job out. So I got moved over to the gestation side and I learned there was a, there was a guy, I wouldn't say he was like a lead, but he had been there a little longer. He knew more. So he kind of showed me the ropes of what they were doing. Um, and then eventually when he left, I had learned everything and, uh, became the gestation manager at that point. So just as a gestation manager, I was just dealing with working with the farrowing lead and just making sure everyone was on the same page, making sure everyone was busy, you know, on the gestation side or getting sows moved where they needed to be, sows pinned up when they needed to be pinned up. Um, and then eventually that turned into farm manager. Um, so David, David and Jim, when they were gone, they would, they knew they could depend on me to get feed ordered, to uh, meet with the vet, just anything, basically anything that they they did as owners, they were kind of putting in my hands. And now I know why, because they were trying to, you know, build me up so that I could fill the role as an owner. So can you talk a little bit about that process? So how how big is the farm first off? So we are a 2,500 head sow unit. All right. So you have a 2,500 head sow unit. You'd never worked with pigs. You did all this other stuff. You worked your way up. Now you're taking over some ownership responsibilities. Can you talk about what was very unique with your story and how you assumed ownership? Yeah. So what was unique about my story was the, you know, it's a small family farm. So, um, I had built this relationship with David and Jim. So they were like more like father figures to me than, than, um, bosses. I would say, you know, they were the kind of people that would, you know, buy my, my family Christmas gifts. They would, um, send cards to my kids for their birthdays, you know, just give, give my kids things, you know, they would, they would almost treat my kids like they were their grandkids at, at, at some extent. Um, and then they were at this point, I was getting so far into it that I was going to the pork producer shows. I was going to the Missouri golf tournament. I was going to the pork expos. So they were introducing me to contacts within the industry to kind of prepare me for what, what the next step was. And then I'd also noticed that they were doing some pretty big, um, I guess, uh, construction on their barns uh remodeling so they are remodeling the whole entire gestation barn they tore down a nursery and rebuilt it and you know one day i said what are you guys doing this for 
And and Jim made kind of made the comment. He said, "You're fixing it up for you to take over." And I thought it was a joke. You know, I just kind of laughed about it, and that was all there was to it. So um, one day there was a Dr. Patterson, who's our vet. He was having a just some type of meeting. A, a lot of his clients got together. We took a bus uh, down to uh, St. Louis, had a meal, had a little seminar, and then we ended up going to the Cardinals game. Well, this particular event, we weren't going to be able to make the bus, so Jim and I rode separate. And on the way there, pretty early in the conversation, he brought up you know, that they were going to retire. He's like, you know, we're looking to retire in the next couple of years. And this is probably in 2019. So um, my heart sunk. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. What am I going to do? I don't want to go yeah. out the bottom again. And he says, uh, I said, what are, you, what are your plans with the farm? And he said, you know, we were kind of hoping you would take it over. <laughs> and I said, take it over? I said, I, I, said, I don't mean. And he's like, well, we are kind of hoping you would buy buy it from us. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I don't think that's really a decision I could even – I was so shocked. And I was like, I need my wife here to, like, talk about this. I'm like – I don't think I have a couple million in the account right now. <laughs> I'm like, I need to pray about this. We need to – yeah, there's just yeah. not – you know, I don't think I'm ready for that. And it was kind of – you know, he kind of dropped it. And, and we talked about it later on. And, you know, he was very serious about it. And he said, you know – you know, if this is something you want to do, we're willing to help you do what you need to do in order to, to make it work. So, um, so eventually they ended up selling me 36 acres of land that the farm sits on. And then they surround, I think they have close to a thousand acres around there, which is nice because we're able to pump manure and spread compost and things like that on their land to help helps them and helps me as well. Well, that's awesome. That's cool. So in 2019, you bought the business then, or was that 2020? So 2019 is when the talks first began. Um, so we were excited. We got to the, the end of the year and kind of our first goal was summer of 2020 is what we're going to do. Summer 2020, we're going to get this thing wrapped up. Uh, well, everybody knows what happened in the winter of Funny, you know, we had COVID and the market was horrible and I would have never survived. So they were, they hung on till 2021 in January 1st of 2021. I bought, we signed the papers and I bought their sow unit and their land. And what was really cool about the whole thing was I had already had things running the way I wanted them to run. Uh, so there was no change there. There was no change and um the team that was there um there was no change in the uh buyer that we were selling pigs to so we had spoken to them That's we had nice. we had already previously negotiated a contract with them uh for me starting January 1st um so they were really excited i had um we set up meetings with them so that everything was everyone would be on the same page um and then we also uh, that transition just, just, I don't know. There was, I guess the biggest change was, you know, they were going to be out of there, but the deal was, Hey, we're going to stick with you for a year. We're going to give you a year to help you things that you've never done before. We're going to teach oh, it to cool. you and to slowly 
slowly edge our way out. And they were really, really true to that. I would say actually these first two years, uh, cause I'm currently in my third year business. Uh, so the first two years were just a lot of help. It was almost like they were, you know, they were there at every beckoning call and there were plenty of them. <laughs> um, and now I kind of noticed like, they're just like, Hey, they're a little more absent, which is fine. You know, I know what I'm doing now, but they're always a phone call away. Um, if I ever anything, so like I couldn't ask for better people to, you know, to be around there and to, um, inspire me and be my mentors. So what part of ownership was the most surprising? I know you said they kind of groomed you for ownership along the way, but when you took ownership, was there anything that caught you off guard that you were really surprised about? Yeah. Um, Mainly the bills. Uh, <laughs> of course, you, you know you have bills, but obviously there's little things that you don't see behind the scenes that you don't people don't think about. And um, so so it was an adjustment uh, working on just the le- legal stuff, the, you know, the LLC and the tax ID and doing the taxes and just all of that stuff that come with it. Um, so you know, there's a lot of business stuff that I had no experience in that I had to learn. And my wife told me, uh, when we started after three months, she could tell, like, I was starting to get drained because, um, I'm all about doing everything I can on my own. So I was actually, you know, when David and Jim had sold the farm, so they were not out of the picture, you know, they were still helping with whatever, but I was still, I was doing my job in the barn as a barn manager and I was doing David's job that he was doing in the barn. And then I was doing all of Jim's job outside uh, with the outside chores as well as all of the bookkeeping. So I was trying to be like a one man show. So after about six months, my wife's like, yeah, I'm quitting my job and helping you out. So that's so you been your wife now. Yeah. So, so that's now cool. she does all our bookkeeping and I let her fight with all the people that need to be fought with on when things aren't right. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah. Have you enjoyed, what part of ownership have you enjoyed the most? Oh, I think mostly the freedom. Yeah. So, so I know there's certain times like it's, it's getting in the season right now where it's time to start pumping manure. So I'm going to have a lot of, you know, 16, 16 to 18 hour days, maybe coming up, making sure we get all the manure pumped. Um, but as far as, um, you know, like the freedom to kind of come and go as I need to, or, you know, knowing that whatever goes on there, I can make the final call and I don't have to debate with anyone about, um, whether we're going to do things a certain way or not. Um, I, I do give my team a chance to speak up on things they think would work better or things that we're doing that aren't, aren't as well and, and, and ideas, but just knowing that, you know, I have the final say so, and I don't have to answer to anyone. Uh, and then my son, he's a really big into baseball right now. So we're doing tons of, you know, a lot of traveling. So I'm able to just kind of get away whenever I need to. And, you know, as long as I know things are going to be good at the farm. You said you were down in Texas for baseball, didn't you? Yeah, we were down in Texas. We were playing in the uh, all state games. So he was selected to play for team Missouri at uh, 13U. That is awesome. Yeah, we end up winning it. Do. That was we won. We won. So that's awesome. Yeah. You said it was hundred and what, a hundred and five, hundred and ten at eleven o'clock at night? Yeah, eleven thirty at night, hundred and two degrees. 
<laughs> Good old Texas, right? Yeah. So you, uh, we started working together. Um, it was late 2021, wasn't it? Yeah, December. Yep. And uh, you brought on Pig Flow. Can you talk a little bit about the decision to bring on Pig Flow and, and what that journey's been like? Yeah. So the the funny thing about it is uh, you had reached out to me after the NPIC in July of 2021. And I still, to this day, I cannot remember talking to you at the golf outing. I'm like, I don't know where he got. I said, we must have if he got my contact information. <laughs> um, I was just telling a group of guys that today. And I was like, I'm glad that we did, though. Yeah, <laughs> but, you were the group ahead of me. Okay. Maybe that's what it was. We talked on a hole or something. But, you yeah. know, you so many people at those things. And it's hard to hard to remember all that stuff. But you would reached out a couple of times and and uh showed me some videos and i had always been on the edge about it and i actually remember the day that you called and i kind of said hey yeah i'm gonna get on board it was late early november probably and i was actually hauling compost so i was trying to talk on the phone had bad reception the tractors bouncing up and down in the field and and uh yeah we kind of committed to that um in December, we had you had sent a guy out to install the Wi-Fi all over our phone or all over our farm. Uh, took two days, I think, to do that, and then another day and a half to train our crew, and then we've been rolling ever since then. Um, but it's been very beneficial uh, to our farm. We've dropped stillborns by two percent. Um, our female death loss has gone down about three percent. So it's, it's just been really, really good, you know, and we've, we've eliminated all paperwork other than sow cars out, cards out of our farm. And probably the one thing I really enjoy the most is I cut my data entry time by about two and a half hours. So that was a day or a week, a week, a week. Yeah. And how did, how did your, your team embrace it? So we're a multicultural team. Um, so that was one of my big questions. I'm like, how are we going to all understand this stuff? So I was really glad that we had the, uh, there's a Spanish on the, on the app. So that makes a big difference. Um, and my crew, uh, with the exception of one person, they're all in their early thirties or, or their twenties. So obviously they've grown up around technology. Yeah. So everyone has the phone in their hand. So it, it was really a simple adjustment for them. It was just a matter of maybe the order of operations on the way to enter some of the stuff. But um, Tim Westfall came and trained our crew, uh, did a phenomenal job. We actually, he spent one day in the office training us. And then um, the next day we went out in the barns and by 9.30, he was like, I'm ready to go. He's like, there's no, you don't need me for anything. Everyone is taken off with this thing. So um, it was really easy to, to get on board with that. Yeah, it's real funny. It's even his perspective because around that time, I was, I was helping with some farms too. And you kind of get to a point in onboarding where you're, you're there to support them. But the employees are kind of looking at you like, why are you still here? Yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah, like, okay, I'm reading you. I'm reading you. I'll get out of here. I'll get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure he had a hot date that night too. So he was ready to get back to high. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So why do you think 
the change in stillborns and sow mortality have happened? What, what components of pig flow do you think help drive that? Um, I would say the Pharaoh tracker, um, just, just knowing that I think it, it shows like our team, there's no, um, they can't miss a step or, uh, forget quote unquote, forget about a sow because there's reminders. Um, they can't say they've done something and hide it from me because I can go on there and check it if I want. Uh, so, but I, I think like accountability, that's the word I was looking for. So there's a lot more accountability with, with the crew. Um, just knowing that at any time from anywhere, I can see exactly what's going on in that barn. Now, does that accountability, do they, do they not like that? Or has it kind of been incognito that account? Is it just naturally come with it because it's helped make their life a little easier or. Yeah, I think it's just kind of natural. They, they, they enjoy the app so much that they, they don't miss those steps. Very rarely do I have to get on there and say, Hey, you know, somebody needs to check on this out. Typically it's done um, within the time frame that it should be done. Why do you think your team likes it? Um, I think that it's just easier for them. And then it also helps them, you know, without having the paperwork. And it also helps them see like real life, like live results of what's going on. So they can always see, you know, they're always curious. How many pigs are we going to sell this week or how many pigs are born? So they can always see that every day. They can see, um, you know, if we set a goal, we set a goal for 3% um, stillborns and they can see if they're, if they're at that goal or, or what they need to do to get to that goal or, uh, they're, they're hitting that one, right? Aren't you guys just, you've been sub three at times, haven't you? So, yeah, we've been at 2.5. We are there for about four weeks. Um, but we hang out. Yeah. We just hang out around 3.1 to 3.3. Like we're just right there. And, uh, but I told them, I said, I'm not changing this threshold because you guys can, do I know you can do it. This takes work. And um, and when you started, you were just above 5% then? Yeah. Yeah, we were a little gotcha. over 5% then. So, like, we've seen a big change change with that. And you have a night person, right, or a second shift? Yeah. So, so we did um, more in the summer now than the winter. Uh, okay. We've been, we've been doing a lot more inducing uh, of sows as of late. So, we've actually kind of cut her out just a little bit. We, we brought her to days. Uh, so she, she's working full days. Um, because we're allowed, we're, we're, there are nights where there's only one or two sows going and, uh, yeah. you know, it was, I don't know. I, I always said, you know, if she'd save, save one pig, she'd save a litter. Um, but I think, I think being away, she has a small child. And so being away from her for, you know, to sit on a bucket for eight hours and watch one sow was just not really, you know, in the cards. Yeah. Anyway. You know, once, once we brought her on more full-time days, um, it allowed us to induce more of those sows during the day. So, you know, we weren't seeing, we're not seeing a big jump back up in those stillborns. So how did uh, Pigflow help with some of the night care? Did it just help you understand like what was happening when, when someone was there at night? Yeah. So it, it allowed me, you know, I could check in on her and, and that's what I did every, every hour, hour and a half, I would send her a message and say, Hey, are you doing okay? You know, are things all right? And she would say yes. So that was, that was my biggest 
my biggest fear is, you know, something would happen in the evening, uh, and she wouldn't, you know, she would have no help. Um, I think the, the one time pig really came in handy. We had a waterline bust, uh, main and she was there. So, you know, if she hadn't been there, she would have never been, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't have known until the next morning. And obviously it took, takes me about 14 minutes to get out there. So by the time I was out there, everything was flooded anyways, but yeah. Oh, it could have run our cistern pretty dry. <laughs> That's a good point. What are you hoping when you look at the future of of your of your business now? What are some of your goals for the next couple of years? So some of our goals are, you know, we've always had a pretty high goal. We want to wing uh, thirty three psy. We've gotten really really close a couple of times, uh, but it's just, I mean, you just can't control the disease. If we could figure out a way to keep that out you know, we would be golden. Um, and then also just, you know, I just want to keep the crew I have and just be, you know, be as good of a leader and, and a better leader as I can. Um, every chance I get, um, I've been listening. Uh, my vet actually sent me a, um, link that he'd been watching, uh, at this life church. So I've been kind of watching some of these podcasts and learning some things and trying to bring it into the farm. Uh, and uh, just just be a better role model for everyone in there. That's awesome. What advice would you have for other um, young owners or individuals that are entering entering the industry and um, looking to looking to make an improvement in their farm? Um, I would just say that uh, nothing is going to be handed to you. Um, you're going to have to work for everything you have, and there's going to be times where you feel like there's days where I'm in there and I'm like, I don't know how I can do this or survive another day. And you just got to keep believing and just keep on pushing through and, you know, it'll all work out for you, but you just can't give up on, you know, something that you, you really love. Well, I appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. It's, it's yeah. really fun to be able to share your story because it, it is unique and it is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I never thought I'd be doing in my entire life. I thought I was going to be a PE coach and a teacher and coach back, you know, go to the high school coaches hall of fame. <laughs> and now you own a cell farm. <laughs> I like those curveballs at you. So I have a lot of friends like that I went to high school with. And whenever they, they hear that, they're like, that doesn't even make any sense. That's not you at all. So <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.